Hello and welcome to Football and Grits. Uh, I am back this week. Uh, I just want to say thanks to everybody that uh, that reached out uh, over the last couple weeks. And of course, thank you uh, to Brody and uh, the incomparable uh, Andy Staples for uh, filling in the last couple weeks. Uh, I did lose my mom and, and uh, took some time off. Uh, I appreciate everybody that, uh, that reached out. Um, and uh, it's good to be back. Uh, so thank you guys uh, off the top. Uh, and Brody. It's good to have you back, buddy. We had a, an incredible week of college football. Uh, and, and of course, your return, you are at like the greatest game we've seen in like listen, two years. Listen, listen, that that is one one of the greatest regular season, maybe one of the greatest games I've ever yeah. seen. Certainly the greatest game I've ever been at. And it is now the best environment that I've ever been at in a game. An incredible, and then of course, uh, after the field storming, um, if you are not, if you have not read my story on the, please athlete, go read it. It's so I good. Thought, I, I came up with the idea on like Wednesday, and I told, I think I told my editor, I can't remember, I can't, I can't remember what I, I guess I might not have told him until Friday or Saturday. But my plan was, if Tennessee pulls this off, I'm just gonna follow the goalposts because it's gonna be the town is gonna be completely insane. Damn. Um, and so I did that Saturday. Anticipatory night. throw by David. Let's go. <laughs> well, I listen. I went on I went on national radio like three weeks ago and I said, Hey, Bama is gettable. You've been saying Tennessee, this all year on the show. I Tennessee's yeah. gonna give Credit them to a you. game. I was like, and I basically said for the last couple weeks, if Tennessee gets breaks even in the uh, in the turnover battle and doesn't, you know, just have a totally uncharacteristic offensive game, they'll be in it late at the very least, and that's all you can ask for. And that's exactly what happened. They 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 evened up the turnover battle in dramatic fashion late, um, but ultimately, Brody, I feel like before we even get into what this game means, yeah. you you have to just appreciate it as a spectacle. Like I could not stop smiling the entire game. <laughs> like in the press box, it was just incredible football being played. And I you know I, I think some people don't like the hundred one point shootouts. Those were probably a minority, but some people don't. Yeah, I'm gonna tell you. There weren't a ton of busts. It That's was the really thing. good yeah. players. This was not Texas Tech, Oklahoma a few years back where the defenses were in other zip codes. This was good offenses yep. making really good plays. Two quarterbacks refusing to let their teams lose. Bryce Young, in a losing effort, was a magician and still oh got God. outclassed by Hendon Hooker in that game, who eventually you know, pulled some Josh Allen stuff or some, some Patrick Mahomes stuff there at the end. 45 yards in 13 seconds to set up a game-winning yeah. field goal. I mean, it just uh, – it is – this is why we love college football. This is the sport at its best. And just witnessing that game as a fan was a privilege. And witnessing that game in person was an even bigger privilege. And in that scene, the fans were into it, obviously. Uh, the environment, the story. It was just – I'm still like buzzing from it, Brody, because I, I tweeted this after the game, but it's this job is really fun. And I try not to ever complain about it because I never feel like I'm working. Yeah. But some nights are better than others. And sometimes this job can be a grind, especially kind of this time of year when you start yeah. leaning into like the Halloween part of it. Like I always tell people like the first month you're fresh. You're happy to have football are endless. Yeah. yeah. It, it, the first month is nothing. And then the last couple of weeks, you know, Thanksgiving there, you can see the light at the end of the tunnel. And as you know, this and is everything means something. Yeah. yeah. And I think this is my 14th season covering college football. I kind of know the beats. This is the time of year where it's 
it, it does get a little bit of a grind. Andrew and in this exhausting zone of like, okay, I thought this, but now I think that, and everything's yes. like getting jumbled, and you're like, what's what? And I think that's a great point. So I'm it was glad. just yeah, unbelievable. I, I I can't I keep coming back to watching that game from the press box, and then I was down on the field for the last like uh, I don't know eight or nine minutes. I got down there right at the scoop and score. So Ooh, well played. Uh, God, what a play day for that, you. I know. I, I just could not. I could not stop. Uh, stop smiling. And it is. Uh, I mean, it, it's. It's. I am still in awe of that game, Brody. Um, and it is uh, again a privilege to have seen it and witnessed it. And I'm sure all the fans that were there are never going to forget it. I will not forget it for for other reasons. I, you know, following around the goalpost was really fun. I think I walked about two or three miles in dress shoes Ooh. after the game. I'm still in pain from that but um you know it it was just uh a great great night of college football and i think the tv broadcast from what i've seen uh reflected that yeah i'd say so i mean and and i'm by the way i'm in that group of people that like i don't really want a hundred point shootout most of the time i want like a 27 24 game where there's offense but it's still tough but that to your point this was a perfect football game where Mm -hmm. every single the great offense was beautifully contested like everything was genuinely watching two football teams chess match can get overused but genuinely playing a chess match and just the offense is excellence it was not especially on, on like everything bama had to get which i want to get to in a second was like kind of strange right like they mm-hmm. had to make plays if anything tennessee was not cakewalking but like getting open guys all that stuff everything about it was great football and and that's what i mean i want to ask you though we talked about it so much going to the florida game right like wow Nalen's going to be back, you know, Florida, big game in Tennessee. Knoxville's going to lose its mind. I, but this has to take it to another level. And your story obviously gets into it, but like, I can't think of many comps, Cubs, World Series, things like that. And it's going to sound extreme, but like a fan base that probably is having such an absurdly cathartic experience because, yeah, we've seen like bad football teams have great years and it's amazing for the fans. But to be like in this, just exhausted, tight, hate your life thing of Tennessee football for the last 15 years when you should be great. That's mm-hmm. a different release when you get something like this. Like, how would you kind of, I guess, evaluate that? Well, I think it, I think it's really interesting in part because it's so out of nowhere. Yeah. Even the most even the most great point. Um, optimistic Vols fans are like, well, you know, I want to improve on last year. You know, you yeah. won seven games and. And we got some pieces, but there's still a lot of holes. Defense, we don't really know all this stuff. You know, we know the offense is going to be good. Um, you know, Hooker, kind of a dark horse Heisman guy. And then, of course, you talk about the reception to the Josh Heupel hire, which even in Tennessee was not super well received. Nationally, really? I, it wasn't quite a joke punchline nationally, but very it was just a shrug. Nash- yeah. yeah, most people were kind of like, ah, I don't I guess the Tennessee job really has fallen, kind of one yep. of those deals. And it's become such a perfect fit because I think, one, you know, Josh Heupel, the offensive system is one thing. I think having competent scheme is, um, you know, uh, something that Tennessee has not had, certainly through the Jeremy Pruitt era, uh, at times on both sides of the ball. Defensively, the scheme on paper made sense but they didn't have players that could execute it for a, a host of reasons. Offensively, they were a mess through the entirety of it. Defensively, they know what they want to do. Obviously, an emphasis on havoc. They do a really good job of pressuring, getting stunts up front, confusing the offensive lines. They did that to Alabama. You saw them get some free rushers more than a handful of times. 
But they just make. But I think big picture, the culture of what Josh Heupel does, where Josh Heupel is an astoundingly normal person, which is very rare in college football. Like if anybody's interacted with a lot of these, especially the head coaches, less so the assistants, but certainly the head coaches, there aren't very many of them that are like normal people. No. And even if they seem normal, some of them are like weirdly like quiet kind of geniuses like cliff kingsbury kind of fits that mold mm-hmm. of like he's a normal person in person but he's like extremely extremely smart yeah and like very calculated in what he does but josh heupel is a very like you know normal dude who like if you told me he went home and and like you know uh put some put some uh burgers on the grill and mowed yeah. his lawn on sunday <laughs> i'm sure he was actually studying film but if you told me that i would say yeah that, that's yeah you know it's a nice yes nice sunday yeah. and i think that i think in some ways that resonates with people because you've had you know obviously the Derek dooleys and the butch jones and obviously the jeremy pruitts and it just none of those guys really quite resonated with the fans the same way and i think people appreciate that but i think the fa- the, the players have responded to that but i think to get back to where the fan base is, yeah. this this does feel like a dream state because you didn't have the offseason of buildup, and there's not a pressure. You know, I wrote about mm-hmm. it today on The Athletic in my review. Tennessee is playing with so much house money right now, it's yeah. insane. Like, every fan is just like, I can't believe this is happening. And then you watch it, and I think, I think big picture, when you see it all on paper, they can't believe it. But when you look on the field, it's not like you're watching this team be like, how are they doing this? You know, yeah. this isn't undefeated Iowa a few years back where they're like nine or 10 and oh, and you're like, what is happening? Tennessee's just good. Yeah. Or even and like think, Kansas, right? Where it's like, yeah, you know, they're good, but it's like, hey, it's going to, they're going to come back down. It's like, yeah. no, Tennessee. There's not is a, there's not a come great. to earth moment waiting yeah. for this team. They have the best offense in the country. You know, we thought coming into the season it was Ohio State. Tennessee's better. They just are. They yeah. don't have the individual talent at receiver that Ohio State does. You can we can argue Hooker and Stroud if you want to, whatever. Team Hooker, but they have the best offense in the country right now, um, and so I think that I think the the the, the, the element of surprise, even to the most optimistic fans, because if you'd have told anyone that they were going to be what were they six and zero now yeah. coming in, and I think that that leads to the next discussion of where this is going, and Brody. It's time to have the discussion. I wrote about it again this morning on The Athletic if you want to check it out. It's time to talk about Tennessee and the P word, which is just insane. Like, it's not even that Tennessee's in the playoff hunt. It's that it's almost going to be hard for them to not make the playoff now. You have to do something unthinkable. You have to lose, basically, to Kentucky or South Carolina to not make the playoff. Like, that's crazy. Because the it Georgia, is. as long as you don't get blown off the road, which I don't think is really going to happen. Georgia is, you know, Georgia is an efficient offense, but they are not an explosive offense. Yeah. They're not going to go out and put, you know, they're not going to beat Tennessee like 62 to 30 or something. And like even that. if Georgia contains them, they're not going to hold them to like 10 points. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and, like, and that's yeah. just not going to, that's not going to happen. I think yeah. Tennessee will be in that game. I think it'll be close. It's on the road. We'll see. Um, but Georgia's not been dominant. I mean, this is the same Georgia team that, couldn't put the ball in the end zone against Missouri. Uh, you know, and, and so we've seen obviously that there's not a dominant team in college football this year. And if you look at the athletic 131 from Chris Vanini, you look at Nicole Auerbach's top 10, it's worth asking the question, Brody, if Tennessee's the best team in the country right now. I don't think I would make that case. They do have the best resume. You yeah. look at the wins LSU, Pitt, Florida, Alabama. 
I mean, Definitely that's the best resume. Not that's close, insane. Yeah. They have the best resume. So yeah. if you want to vote them number one, I think they're you probably should if you want to vote and, based on resume, not how good you think the team actually is. But they and have to go the even resume. and to go even further than that, like, and I'm with you. Like, I don't think in my gut of guts, I think they're number one, but. I'm down for anyone making the case. And I might even, if, if mm-hmm. I had to vote, I might do it because one resume, no doubt about it, but also isn't it fair to say they have the scariest feature in the country right now, mm-hmm. which again, like sometimes that's more important than being better is having the one scariest thing. Their offense is scarier than Georgia's defense right now. Even yes. though Georgia's defense is unreal. Like there is nothing that quite can match up with that. And Hendon Hooker is again, like, it's an incredible year for quarterbacks. So getting into who's the best, I don't want to, but the person most in command of everything in college football right now is Hendon Hooker. So it's just like, I, I genuinely think putting them number one isn't crazy. And I know like SP plus it will have them as a, a seven point dog right now against Georgia. Yeah, it sounds about right. I don't have an issue with that, but it's hard to imagine them not being in that game to your point. And it is wild that they are in the driver's seat. And I think what I came away even more impressed with not more impressed with the offense let's be honest but i thought this defense was like an issue and i thought maybe jim daniels that i was breakout game against them didn't and i know they gave up 49 points to bama and you i'm curious your thoughts on this Mm -hmm. but like they did not play bad defense to me if anything bama probably had points played some bad defense they were causing pressure constantly like their pressure rate's 40th in the country and that feels so misleading because whenever i watch them they are in the backfield they came up big on a lot of like third and short fourth and short stops and more importantly whenever bama made a play it was bryce young making a play or it was jamar jameer gibbs just making a guy miss or it was a jump ball where a guy made a leaping catch which yeah man that's alabama's gonna do that they're better than most teams but it was almost never bad defense and sure you missed the tackle but I'm not going to hold that aggressively against them. So I'm just like, this team isn't fraudulent anymore. Or like not, or you're not concerned about that. That defense can, can do well against Georgia, for example, and all these things. So it's like, I don't see them slipping up. They might be the best team. Well, I think so to the point of, you know, Tennessee's offense as quote unquote bad, <clears throat> the secondary is not very good. No, but Alabama, I, this is why I thought Tennessee had a great shot to beat Alabama because Alabama doesn't point. have the playmakers to take advantage of that. They just They're not don't. getting over the top on people. And I don't year. think Georgia yeah. does either. That's the yeah. thing. If you had Alabama from 2017 where they're throwing the ball to, you know, Jerry Judy and Devontae Smith and all these guys, what is 2018, 19, whatever. The, the year they had all the guys, right? That, that team would give Tennessee some issues. I don't think Tennessee would be able to stop those guys. Yeah. But the reality is, is they can, they can hold up up front. They're a little thin in the front seven, but their front seven is good. When yeah. you look at Omari Thomas, Byron Young, you know, Aaron Beasley's made some plays for them. Uh, obviously, Tyler Barron has made some plays. They have a bunch of a bunch of above average guys in that front seven, and they don't have a ton behind them, but they've stayed healthy this year. Um, and that is, I, I I think when you look at Alabama's dominance in this series, especially over the last, you know, six or seven years, it's because they just bullied Tennessee up front. Absolutely. And I didn't think they'd be able to do that. And I thought that's the biggest reason why I thought Tennessee would be able to, to push Bama uh, on top of the environment and, and all the mistakes that we saw Alabama make, which I think were in part due to that environment, no matter what Nick Saban sort of wants to argue. <laughs> um, and and that's this Tennessee team is good on the offensive line, uh, and they are pretty good in the front seven. That's why I think yeah, Georgia I really wants like to there. bully ball. Georgia wants to play bully ball and then throw the tight ends. They might hit, you know, McConkie uh, over the top of you um, if he can get back healthy. 
But they're not, that's this Tennessee matches up so well with Georgia. Like Ohio State's the only bad matchup I think for Tennessee, and because of those receivers. And if Tennessee's playing Ohio State, listen, they'll take they'll they'll take this as a bad matchup because they might be able to outscore them anyway. And Ohio State's offense has not been hitting on all cylinders every single week. The only truly bad game Tennessee's offense has had was Pitt. But I think Pat Narduzzi is very good at slowing down this particular offense, taking away the mm-hmm. run game, not letting anything over the top. And Tennessee kind of struggled with that a little bit. Um, so. And also, that was their like learn how to win game, you know? Like, yeah, a little bit. Anyone and using I, that as like a knock in that moment, you and I were huge on this. It's like, yes. no, 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 no. That was actually the step. That was huge. But no, and and the question, I guess, with the Georgia game will be because we're getting into like what it's going to look like these next six weeks is like, to your point, I think they match up well. The fear sometimes can be sometimes we tell ourselves something matches up well, but it actually could mean, but if Georgia does those exact things you do well better, like that might actually like take make you play left-handed a little bit you know like mm-hmm. yeah they're good but if they can run the ball then you're really on your heels or whatever but and you know george's pass defense is fantastic all that stuff but it's and just to run down because i know you know we we've alluded to this but let's run down people kentucky uh kentucky finishes the season they have kentucky coming up i mean let me sorry let me have i had it up and then i just lost it but they have kentucky coming up and that one okay so it's probably like a 10 point Okay, sorry. First day of UT Martin, so it doesn't matter. Kentucky. Probably a 10-point favorite in that game, and that's right. But you and I also are the big thing that, like, Kentucky could just make any game close. They can make any game ugly. They could ugly so, it up. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're both picking Tennessee in that game, but, like, that one will really be the th- – they've proven everything. I'm not saying they have to prove anything. I don't, like – but that will be the, like, man, this team is just really, like – they take care of business. Don't have they a clunker. Are. Don't have a clunker. Yeah, if you will. And I think that Kentucky is a classic have a clunker game. Yeah, but it is in Neyland, and Kentucky, you know, historically God, has no. really struggled in Neyland, and uh, I think they'll be there. And then I think you just d- don't have a disaster on the road at South Carolina. You're still on the road in the SEC. South Carolina, as much as people want to roast Shane Beamer, like I want to get to that later. Yeah, South Carolina is a. a pretty competent like they're they can beat some teams you ready for so, a stat not stat but uh bill connelly <laughs> has it as seven like they are their chances of beating south carolina kentucky are the same both 71 percent. like he considers south carolina kentucky the same interesting um so yeah i think that's it, it's it's just they're in a, they're in an interesting zone right now but again tennessee you start looking at the path okay if you beat georgia then it doesn't really – I mean, you're – you have an unbelievable resume. So even if you lose to Alabama or Ole Miss yeah. in the SC Championship game, you're in. You have, I mean, that resume, the committee will just be like, all right, they're number two or number three. Uh, get Tennessee off the board. We're going to talk about other teams. Um, and then if you lose to Georgia, as long as you don't get blown off the field, which I don't think they will, and even if they do, yeah, I don't think that's a – that's not a season ender, even if you get blown off the field at Georgia. Yeah. Because you still have a great resume. And the committee, you know, they'll take that into account some, but not entirely. You still beat Alabama. It's not like you're fraudulent. And you'll still have wins over Kentucky, LSU, Pitt, Florida. That is at least three or four top 25 wins. And then, of course, the Alabama win, which will probably be a top five win at the end of the season. It will be undoubtedly, if that all happens, will be undoubtedly the best resume in the country. So if you lose to Georgia, you're sitting there at 11-1, and and you got a real good shot. The, the, the question you gotta though, love is, your chances okay obviously you want georgia to win in that sec title game in this yes. scenario we're going down if they lose yes. to georgia you want georgia to win and you alluded to this and staples alluded to this last week too like the fascinating part will be 
but this is proof of how good their case is. If Bama then or Ole Miss or Bama then beats Georgia, Georgia's in. We know that. And Tennessee is genuinely going to be on that bubble. They're going to be right there still yes. of a three-team playoff. And it's going to be tough this year because we've had a lot of years where there's really only two clear playoff teams and the rest are just like, yeah, that makes sense. This year it's like there's a lot of playoff teams, I'd say. USC yeah. losing helps them a lot because right yes. now there's no Pac-12 team that's just like undoubtedly going to get in. The Big uh, 12 will sort itself out in time. The Big 12 will probably – because, wait, is anyone undefeated still in the Big 12? Yes, uh, TCU is still. Thank you. Yes, TCU. If TCU is undefeated, they're in. But you assume they fall at some point. Uh, and then Big Big Ten, assuming there's an undefeated winner, which good chance yeah. they're going to get a spot. And then Clemson's undefeated, and no one. And they got through NC State. They've gotten through the really the games you're really scared of. There, they're probably getting in. So it's going to be tough. But the fact that it's even like they're they're still in the mix is proof of how real this all is. That they are now officially in. The higher than 50% zone? Like, is that crazy to say? Uh, I don't know that I'd say higher than 50%. I think I'd probably, if you ask me right now, does Tennessee make the playoff? I would probably say yes. Yeah. So I think <laughs> that I don't know. Yeah, I guess maybe so. So, because uh, I think you would, because you would favor Georgia in the championship game. Like, you would. Yeah. And let's not act like Tennessee is guaranteed to lose to Georgia. So, like, you combine those yes, two probabilities, yeah. and it's just like, man, this is very real. Again, I, I think the Georgia game with Tennessee will come down to the exact same thing as it did Alabama. If you break even on turnovers and you don't have, you know, Hennon Hooker missing throws and like weird stuff happening, they'll be in it late. And that's yeah. all you can ask for. Again, that's that's exactly this position that they were in. And I think too, you know, it's worth talking about with this Tennessee team. The thing that I don't think people talk about when they, you know, show Jalen Hyatt, you know, catching five touchdown passes and only pass everybody. This is a mentally tough team. Okay. Mm-hmm. On the road at Pitt, they go down ten nothing, and they they, they rally. They were yep. they're down ten nothing, and Pitt had the ball in the red zone. They get a pick and rally, and they won that game. Now you can talk about quarterback injuries, whatever. You won the game. Yep. You're on the road against an ACC team. There's no such thing as a bad win. And they just came up in so many like clutch moments in that game, yes. stuff like that. Yeah, Alabama. You're up eighteen. It looked like for a while there that Tennessee was about to run Alabama off yep. the field. They did not. Alabama, as good teams, as mature teams, as Nick Saban coach teams are wont to do, rallies. You blow an 18-point lead in like Great eight point. minutes. <laughs> You're up yeah. 28-10. It's not going to be easy. Bama's back. Well, Tennessee keeps playing. Then you get the disaster scoop and score where you could feel – like Tennessee fans, the joke is that you you you're always hope, but you're always wearing a cup. One of those sort of deals. I don't know if there's a phrase, but that was the that was that scoop and score was why Tennessee fans wear the cup because it's like, oh, you yeah. know, you you got all these things, and then oh, of course, of course, this great team makes this uncharacteristic mistake, and now Bama's going to get out of here with a win. No, Tennessee marches down the field, gets a good PI call. I thought on yeah. a weird pick I'm six that I. I didn't see that. I looking at it live. I was on the field for that pick six. Live, I thought I thought they grabbed fan, but I was on the t- total other side of the field. And then I didn't see the flag on the field because of you know how the field is like uh, uh, football fields like ramp or yes like, uh, have yeah. a hump. You couldn't really see the flag from where I was at, so I didn't even see it until they were fifty yards downfield <laughs> and fan is sitting there like pointing at the flag. <laughs> but I was like, I looked like pi, and I couldn't believe they intercepted it because it was a tip ball anyway. I didn't like uh, the call, but it doesn't matter. You, yeah. ra- you rally from that. You throw a touchdown pass to Jalen Hyatt. And then, of course, the defense holds on a third down. 
to force a 50-yarder, which Reichard misses. And then, of course, your offense gets two great plays. That's mental toughness. Like, yes, it is. That, is. that is bad things happening and the team just being like, all right, we got it. And I think part of that is Hooker having a 31-year-old quarterback. You yep. know, so true. He doesn't – he's seen a lot. He's been through a lot. I mean, you're talking about a guy whose literal, like, life was in the balance at one point. His career was in the balance at one point. You talk about Tennessee playing with house money. Hendon Hooker feels like he's playing with house money right now. This is not – this was not on the Hendon Hooker career board. Heisman front runner, you know, uh, captain leader of a national championship contender. Like, yeah. that – if you – that's not on the – the realm of possibilities when Hannon Hooker transfers to Tennessee to join a staff that's about to get fired and a you know an NCAA nuclear bomb about to go off like yeah. that's not happening. So as much as this this all is happening, you know, with 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 sort of uh, no expectation, you know, Hannon Hooker's part of that as well. And I think that this team plays like that. They don't play. They, you don't. You haven't seen them at any point look like the moment's too big and start no. doing weird stuff. You know, Bama. Meanwhile. Bama melted down at they, Arkansas in the. They third acted quarter. like the nervous yeah. team. Yeah. yeah, Bama has had some weird stuff happen to them. Like that third quarter at Arkansas, weird stuff. Yeah. Uh, getting blown off the field early, you know that's weird stuff. All the penalties, the, the Texas penalties stuff, game, yeah. the Texas like that's weird. Tennessee hasn't been doing that stuff. They just haven't. Um, <laughs> and so, I, I think one thing that that this team really does remind me of, and it's weird that it, it is a pretty good comparison because Josh Heupel was a part of this team too. But you look at that 2000 Oklahoma team that won the national Ooh, championship. And I'm not yeah. saying Tennessee's going to win the national championship. No, but that's that was a great a team, comp, yeah. But it was year two of, of um, Bob Stoops coming in there. He was a good hire for Oklahoma, but he wasn't, you know, it's not a Scott Frost, Jim Harbaugh. They're throwing him a parade situation. He was fourth <laughs> defensive coordinator taking over a really big job. They go seven and five in year one coming off a really disastrous John Blake era. And then year two, they keep winning these close games. They did it with defense. Um, you know, Torrance Marshall, some of these other guys, uh, they did it with defense, but they kept winning these close games and they kept wondering, how good is this team really? How good is this team really? And there was no big bad out there. There was no giant out there. It was kind of Nebraska a little bit. Um, a little bit of AM had a really good team that year, if I recall. But they kept winning all these close games and they kept on surviving and they ended up winning the national championship. And this Tennessee team – you know, I don't know where they go at the end of the day, but they do have kind of that feel of like, again, you're just sort of on this ride and they don't seem to really get ahead of themselves. And, and it looks a little a little similar to me. Yeah. Again, this is a mentally tough team that's winning a bunch of close games and uh, not because they are getting lucky in these games, but they're just, you know, they outplayed Florida and almost coughed it up, but they were way better than Florida in that ball yeah. game. It and I'm just fascinated to see what happens here because at this point Tennessee the hard part is over yeah like you have a massive everything to gain nothing to lose game at Georgia where you can play do whatever you want and then Kentucky and South Carolina they can beat Tennessee I guess you could throw Missouri in there theoretically they could beat uh, Tennessee I don't think Vandy physically can but you, man, Kentucky, you don't have to play that bad to lose to Kentucky, but you got to play no. pretty bad to lose to the way Tennessee is playing right now, especially at home. Yeah. And then South Carolina, you need some weird stuff to happen. You need to lose a turnover battle. But, man, there you got, you you you, you know, your, your, uh, your Bill Connolly win expectancy, what, 71%. That's about right. Yeah. Like, you just don't have to. It's crazy that Tennessee is at the point where they don't have to do anything, not even spectacular. Just don't be terrible, and you're going to have an incredible <laughs> – Yeah. 
playoff case at the end of the year, which is just surreal to say. And, and the last thing I'll add to that, and by the way, anyone watching, listening, uh, please throw any questions or anything in the comments and we'll get to them. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I, I think, you know, playing Bama, it's like playing against Tiger with a lead in like the 2000s. Like there's a juju element to that. There is a yeah. fear element in that. that it, it messes with teams all the time because you were just at all, it doesn't matter how much you're leading, you know Bama's coming. And I think to, just to reiterate your own point here, but like the thing that makes you excited about this team is that they're checking every box of like, your 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 questions are up you're like are they for real they've checked every box in the sense of they've won their they're not playing that well game the pit game Mm -hmm. that's big they won the okay this game's getting messy and it's weird and you hold on and just step up and prove your better game in the florida game and then you go that's a game with a mental hurdle as well exactly Exactly. a lot of issues with florida and it's like your national tv game all that Mm -hmm. like that was big and then you know and then you win your playing the top one top three team in the country juggernaut game and you overcome that late comeback i remember 2019 lsu yeah everyone agreed they were great but they also very similarly got off to a pretty big lead against alabama and it's not like they were at risk of losing necessarily, but Bama made that a one-score game, mm-hmm. and you had the quarterback. Very, the comps aren't that crazy to me. Very of like, there was just a comfort that Burrow was going to handle that and get you through it, even as Bama was coming. And that's exactly what you got with Hooker. And I think the really only last thing left to check, obviously beating Georgia's, if, but still like the last thing to prove like they are just one of those teams is the you are now considered a top three team thing. Like that's a little different element too. So I want, yeah, just the, can they just take care of business against the Kentuckys and South Carolinas when everyone's playing their best against you? That's the last one, but man, they've done it and we can move on now. But like, this is awesome. This is great for college football. It is great for college football uh, to, to have uh, another sort of sleeping giant like Tennessee be back. And again, I, I think this is your paradigm shifting win to, to sum it all up. This is when you beat Bama, you do it the way that you did, where it's not fluky at all. Tennessee was the better team in that game. It makes people say, oh, well, we need to reassess how good this Tennessee team really is. And uh, they're pretty good, Brody. <laughs> you're, you're, you ready for a take? This is just off my thought. Let's is go. The SEC, I mean, this isn't like shocking or anything, but like, is the SEC about to be in like the greatest place? I mean, obviously, it's already becoming everything in the sport, but like, the best place it's ever been in a weird way. Cause okay. Let's say hypothetically you believe Napier is going to get Florida going. And I do. He's recruiting great. Like that guy, I, I think he's going to get, kind of, I'm in that. Yeah. Know, like yeah. this year's weird, but they're going to be in that. Uh, Brian Kelly, not saying, you know, what's going to happen at LSU, but you have one of the four best coaches in the sport at LSU. The odds uh, are with him. Yes. Yes. Tennessee is now a top three team. Bama's not going anywhere. Georgia's a juggernaut. You got your Mississippi States, Kentuckys that are just objectively top 25, top 20 teams. Like and they are good. coaches. You know yes. what Mike Leach and, and uh, yep. Mark Stoops are. Good point. Yeah. Arkansas is a top 25 team. I don't care about the record. Like they are a top 25 Calo, my, Ar- my Arkansas take is if you put them in the Big Ten West, they go ten and two. Couldn't agree more. They are <laughs> they have three losses because they have played good teams every single week. They also yeah. have more good wins than most like six and one teams, right? Like they are yes. legitimately good. And and then I think the only team that like you're waiting on is Auburn, obviously. But and everyone the 90, excuse me, the ninety-five million dollar man down in college yeah. station we've slept Ooh, good point but he, he's the most talented second most talented roster in college football like yeah. they're not i just think really auburn's the only shoe that hasn't like given you hope but everyone is on the up and obviously yeah. it doesn't work like that like teams are going to go down by default but like everything looks like everyone in the sec is like 
on the road to being a contender, and that's an incredible place. Yeah. And I'll be I'll be very fascinated to see uh, who Auburn hires as well, because right because they could get back fast. Yeah, let's go to the other side of the SEC, yes. Brody. We've talked a lot about Bama and a lot about Bama and their playoff hopes. How about we talk about the SEC West leading last undefeated <laughs> team in the SEC West? Somehow the quietest wow. top ten team in, uh, well, and the quiet's the, for good reason. But still. I won't say the quietest top ten team in America, but uh, certainly the quietest top ten team in the SEC. The Ole Miss Rebels uh, sitting out here, Brody, four hundred and forty-eight rushing yards against yeah. Auburn. There is only. Well, there's zero Power 5 teams that have rushed for more yards in a game this year. Wow. Uh, there is one uh, FBS team that is not a service academy, and that is uh, North Texas ran for 471 against Louisiana Tech on Saturday, actually. Okay, Seth Luttrell. Right. So you throw, the, you throw the service academies out because all they do is run the ball. But that was a dominant rushing performance. 300-yard rushers, Jackson Dart, Quinshawn Judkins, and, of course, Zach Evans. So Ole Miss right now, I, I'm still not quite sure – just how good they are, I think they can give certainly Alabama a game. People forget Alabama has to go to Oxford. Uh, That's a big one. Uh, And if you win that game, Ole Miss all of a sudden, what if we get an Ole Miss-Tennessee SEC championship game? That is certainly within reach. Uh, But I think that's the thing with Ole Miss. It's not quite the same like Tennessee. I think Tennessee's a better team than Ole Miss. Uh, I think it's not the same. Right I, way, yeah. I don't quite trust Jackson Dart as much. Like if he if they get down seventeen or something to a good team or fourteen to a good team, I don't know that I trust him to lead them back. But man, when Ole Miss is on top of you and they can just keep running the ball and you got to try and catch up against them and they just pound the middle and uh, you know this this offense that the Baylor scheme that obviously Tennessee runs and and uh, and Ole Miss runs, man, when you get behind. It is incredibly difficult to come back because they want to run it. They want to run it. And then when you stack the box, they score seven on you. So that's a problem because they're throwing over your head. And that's what they like to do. Uh, they don't quite, you know, have the, uh, you know, Mingo's had a nice season for them. They don't quite have the game breakers at receiver. No. Man, this running game, when you can run the ball the way Ole Miss can run the ball and their defense doesn't quite get enough credit, it's a really, really good team. It's a really good team. And Brody, they're one win away from breaking their uh, over-under for the year. <laughs> I know. it's, But that's actually what makes it so juicy is like, I think, you know, I think Ari was on, they'd be 7-0. and Like a lot, it's not like, no one was crazy to think they'd be 7-0. and But what makes this so juicy is like, they're 7-0. and And obviously I don't think this is going to happen, but like 7-5 and is still on the table, which is so wild. <laughs> um, of course, I don't think that's going to happen. Like Ole Miss has proven they are just good. They can run the ball against any defense. They are good. But it is wild that like they're 7-0, but they end at LSU, at A&M, home against Bama, at Arkansas, and end with the Egg Bowl, which all bets are off and Mississippi yeah. State's very good. Like there's not a single game left that they're going to be a favorite of, I don't know, more than like a touchdown. And every yeah. single game is tough and ugly. And like, I think the win probabilities are all in the sixties, but at the same time they can win every game. Like they're even at 42% by SP by Connolly to beat Bama. You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. there, there's no game they can't win. And it's going to be so it's like our, the theme of the show is like, we're really going to find out, but, but still I can't wait because these next two weeks going into Bama, it's like those are against teams that have the bodies in the box. The yeah, body- that's where 
I, I, I'm torn because I don't think LSU is that good. I don't think a no. is that good. But I think if you can go on the road and beat both of those teams, they match in successive up. weeks. I, I think you're pretty good. You know, like yes. that's kind of where yeah. I land. That's like, the there's no real shame it. in losing those games. Like going to call or going to Kyle Field and going to Death Valley is really difficult. Um, and I don't think those are great teams waiting for them there. But man, if you get through that and you get to Bama and you're sitting there at nine and zero, I don't know how much more you can say. I'll, the only question you have left with Ole Miss is. Oh, is this is this really a playoff team? That's yeah. that's the only question. Is there? We know they're really really good. They have proven they're the class of the SEC. If they get to that point, but can you get over that Bama hump like Tennessee just did? That's the question. Yeah. Because obviously they have to to get to Atlanta. Uh, and if I recall, I don't believe Ole Miss has been to Atlanta. Uh, I don't I, believe so. No, really certain. The, the, the only West title they have, I believe, it's like the whole laughing point is like it was shared. You know, like yes. and, <laughs> and so it's like so anyway. Yeah, I think it. it's it's uh, so. I, I'm fascinated. This team is really fun um, and, and really, really, you know, I, I think people, it doesn't happen as much because I think people pay more and more attention, mm-hmm. but I think for a long time, this Baylor system, that's I think what 13 teams are running. I think people want to just lump it in with the air raid and just, well, they throw it everywhere. They can throw it over your head, but this whole offense is built around the running game. And if you can't stop it, and when you have Zach Evans and Quinshawn Judkins running downhill, you can't stop Ole Miss. Obviously, Auburn learned that the hard way on Saturday. When you can't stop it, they don't need to throw it. I think Ole Miss, I want to say they threw the ball 19 times uh, against Auburn and ran it, uh, if I'm recalling, 65 times, Yeah, uh, I think. Uh, yeah, 69 run plays, 19 passes against uh, Auburn. Not some of that's game flow, sure. But this is an offense that I think more and more people are realizing is built around the running game. You want to uh, run the ball. And if they put too many guys in the box, then they force you to throw it. But if you have a quarterback behind there, and we're, I think we still have to figure out if Jackson Dart is that guy that, can, say, that yeah. can win games for you, you know Hannon Hooker is. That's why Tennessee is so lethal, because you have Jabari Small and Jabari. They can run the ball. You know that. They're pretty good up front on the offensive line. They're not great up front, but they're good enough to really run the ball effectively. But you know – you can't stack the box because Tennessee has Jalen Hyatt. And that's the thing, by the way, not to circle back to Tennessee. We didn't hit this point. They've done all this without their best receiver. Great point. Yeah. They're the best, they look like the best offense in America. There's room for without their best receiver. Yeah. A literal Bolitnikov candidate. He probably can't win it now because he's missed so many games. But, like, Cedric Tillman is as good as any receiver in the country. Yeah. Um, so uh, that's – they have that aspect of their offense. Then I'm not sure Ole Miss is dangerous enough to the so, pass to do that. But we'll see. That- yeah, that's my thing. That's why these next two games I think are going to tell – I'm so mm-hmm. excited for is that it's not – it's that A&M and LSU, even though they're flawed and all these things, to our point, they have the bodies to play six or seven in the box. And just realistically, Ole Miss will not be able to run for 300 yards on them. I think that is fair to say. Like LSU's Probably. run defense – Certainly not last, A&M. Certainly yeah. not LSU's A&M. LSU's run Maybe defense LSU. last two weeks gave up yardage, but it was tackling issues, if that makes sense. It wasn't like – like they can they can control line of scrimmage, I guess is what I'm trying to say. They're just weirdly making tackling issues, but mm-hmm. no matter what, these next two weeks, I would be shocked if Jackson Dart is not asked to help them win the game. Like they can even the Kentucky game. Jackson Dart did not really have to go win the game at any point, and I think that's what you're waiting on is they have not been asked yet. You know, he, on their heels, Jackson Dart because of the schedule, all those things, and this that's where we're going to really figure out because if Jackson Dart can make those plays against LSU and especially can make those plays against Stegan M because he will be asked. They will not be up 21 nothing or anywhere, whatever. You know, that is where you, you actually are like, okay, they are a top six team or they are a playoff contender or can win the West and all that. Because if he can't, 
they're not beating Alabama. That is just the honest reality. Yeah. So I, I can't wait. And and to your point, like if you beat Bama, you're in the West and doesn't you win the West and it doesn't matter. But I just I still don't I think they probably go two and three these last five games is where I'm at. And that's not an insult, man. Nine and three, you probably finished like I don't know, eleventh in the country, twelfth in the country. That's a great yeah. year. I'm not insulting them, but I think I go like two and three there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Edgar in the chat wants to know yeah. if the SEC East is the better division now. I'm I'm gonna say I'm gonna say no on this one, Brody. I can because of the depth. Auburn is not a good team, but they are not a just complete disaster. I mean, you still have Tank Bigsby. You still Robbie Ashford. I kind of like some of the things I've seen out of him. Like they can push some teams. Vanderbilt has not really put up a fight much the last month. Uh, Missouri. They're kind of all over the map. It's hard to know what Missouri necessarily is. It's very close. But I think you look at, you know, certainly Georgia and Tennessee are pretty salty. I'm still I'm still uh, riding Mississippi State a little bit. The wheels are shaky. Uh, oh, I'm, just, I, yeah, I'm still completely in on them. <laughs> the wheels are a little shaky. It's close, but I'm going to stick with the West because of the depth. Um, because I think when you're looking around, if you're a, if you're a really if – you're, if you're a second-tier SEC team, right, there's nobody in the West that you can look and say, oh, we can roll over them. Literally the East, nobody now. In the yeah. East, you do have, you know, uh, Missouri and Vanderbilt where you feel like, okay, Vanderbilt has not put up much of a fight. Missouri can theoretically beat some teams but doesn't scare anyone right now. I think offensively they've, they've looked like a mess from time to time. So I'm going to say I'm going to say no, the East is not better right now because of the depth. At the top it is. Yeah, uh, that's the Kentucky's really salty. So it kind of depends on how you want to define it. I I think uh uh you know, that that all just sort of how you want to define best. I from top to bottom, I'm going to say no, but the top I, of the east is definitely better than the top of the west. I agree with you. And yeah, it does come because there is val you could argue both sides of the whole like how you evaluate and I think this is really what we get into whenever people argue Big 10 versus SEC some years is like what do you really evaluate do you evaluate how good the best is or you know because yeah I think the three best teams in the east right now are definitively better than the three best teams in the west that is completely fair to say and there's no doubt the top two te- the top two teams in the east might be better than anyone in the west like that mm-hmm. isn't nothing we shouldn't ignore yeah. that but to your point the worst team in the West right now, okay, that's Auburn, right? You probably feel like you can yes. beat Auburn most weeks. But the bottom of the West in general is Arkansas, A&M, LSU probably, right? And they those are four, five, six in the West. And they probably, if they're facing the three, four, five teams in the East, right? Your South Carolinas, Florida's, Kentuckys, those games are close spreads. Those games, you, you're probably picking those West teams. You're picking the the four, five, six in the West over the the three, four, five in the East, and I think that tells you a lot. So I I am with you there. Uh, <laughs> Wait, I gotta get to R. I don't have we don't have to go into it because there's not much of an answer here. But uh, R in the comments says, as a former Texas A&M beat writer, why can't they get their head out of their behind? I will say, <laughs> I don't know what our cursing rules are on the pod. I mean, we've we've I, I don't I think AM's got the same problem we've been talking about all season long. The offensive scheme is not good. It's just that simple. It's not play calling, it's not talent. I, I don't think it's much more complicated than the offensive scheme. It feels like everything has to be perfect or it doesn't work. Yep. The offensive line is not great, but you don't have to be great to move the ball. AM can't move the ball consistently. Mm-hmm. It's scheme. I I I know Jimbo is not going to come and hand his offense off to, you know, 
some young whippersnapper with a new offense. Not going to do that. But you got to have some more concepts, different stuff, because this is not working. A&M, if they do not make significant offensive changes, will not win a national championship. The SEC has changed. Go look. Tennessee. If Tennessee played A&M tomorrow, what, what A&M had no, has no chance. Because it doesn't matter what they do. They, A&M can't score. A&M can't score 24 on Tennessee. Nope. And Tennessee, and A&M's not going to hold them under 40. Like, this is this is the problem. In, 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 the, in the modern SEC, if you cannot score, this is not 9-6 SEC anymore, okay? It, it doesn't matter how good you are on the lines. If you don't have a scheme that can get your guys in space, free up guys, take the top off a of defense, and a quarterback who can get it to them, that's not good enough. So it's I don't think it's a issue where Adams playing bad or making all these mistakes. They yeah, need better you. quarterback play, but it's scheme to me. It's just that simple. So. Okay. so can we get to my favorite, least sexy, fascinating game in college football? Please do, and then we need to have a Shane Beamer conversation. Right? I, okay. I don't get it. So let's set let's set this up, Brody. I'm with you. This is a you talk about paradigm shifting games. We may we may have one sneaky one. Nobody's game. looking forward to this game. But it might have the biggest ripples and not ripples, but like the biggest conversation starter in college football this weekend if certain things happen. And we mm-hmm. were talking about South Carolina at home against Texas AM in a game that, yeah, neither team's ranked. Nobody's really excited about this game. But this game is, let's put it this way SP Plus has this as a literal toss up. It's a 0.4 differential between the teams. The spread is three and a half, which is intriguing. Like that might be worth looking at. Uh, is an AM by three and a half at South Carolina. But not, no one's talking about South Carolina because for obvious reasons, right? They haven't, like, beat great teams. They beat Kentucky without Levis. There's nothing exciting about South Carolina. But they are a well-rounded football team. You know, they're 44th in offense, 27th in defense, SP+. Special teams, shocker, Beamer, uh, number two in the country in special teams, which, again, they're not that talented, but they don't make mistakes. They're not a team that, like, I can beat this or I can beat that. It's like they just kind of handle their business. And AM is a team that does not capitalize on yes. their advantages right now. This is going to be like if AM wins, I'm not, that doesn't mean anything to me really. It just is what it is. You know, it's a SEC game. But if South Carolina wins this game, man, two things are happening at the same time that are going to be a huge conversation. One, that is really bottom falling out for Jimbo moment. That is the one where it's like it is no longer a large discussion. It is a DEFCON 1, people are losing their mind thing. You will be at four losses, right, at that point. You will be at, oh, my God, they can't even beat the the bottom of the SEC. Like, this is now people are really, even though I don't think it happens or anything, don't get me wrong, people are really talking about Jimbo's job security, all that stuff. Holy crap. And they're suddenly talking about Shane Beamer has South Carolina 6-2. They're a top 25 team. They're beating legitimately tough teams like not great teams or anything like that but like they are on the right path so two things are happening at once i am so into this game south carolina's four and two like they're four and two and one of the things i was sad i did not get to talk about on the pod uh was shane beamer's kentucky celebration we dove into it baby incredible oh my gosh this is again this is what college football needs like when you to the victor go the spoils if somebody roasts you, you know, roast them back. Funny sunglasses, dancing, all that stuff. Again, I'm a big to the victor go the spoils guy in college football. And we need I, these personalities back, man. We just Yeah, I, I think like I don't know right now, other than Nick Saban, 
I'm not sure there's an, and maybe Jimbo just because he's Jimbo and the contract and all that stuff. There might not be anybody that that opposing fans seem to hate more than Shane Beaver, and I really don't get it. He's like it's probably because of the gimmick stuff, yeah. But like, there's not even that much gimmick stuff. Like, he's yeah. very excited a lot, and yes. people are like, "Oh, I hate this guy." Like, yeah. it's <laughs> like, not like PJ. Oh, sorry, yeah. this is like, yeah, it's like like Shane Beamer. It's not like he, yeah, it's not like he has a full binder, which PJ Fleck does have of of uh, what do they call it? I forget what they call it. I remember talking to him about this a few years ago, but they have a full binder of the language that they talk uh, that they say in their program, like of all these things <laughs> that they say. Yeah, I know. They don't have that, but like literally, it seems like the people's main complaint with Shane Beamer is that he gets excited too. That he has fun. I'm, I'm sorry that it is like it means a lot to him to have his team execute, or like you know that he celebrates when his team makes a good play, uh, whenever his uh, his team is losing or whatever. Like okay, but like so I, I I'm, I'm I think there's I, I'm very interested to see where this goes, and I think Shane Beamer ultimately the people that. Uh, you know, whose opinions actually matter seem to really like him. So that's that's all that really matters. <laughs> and there's always an extra element, right, of like what's really going on. I bet with Shane Beamer, a lot of the like fans not liking him is one, two things. One, people don't know what to do as fans. Like, in, so I think we're victim of this too, of coaches who don't have a thing, if that makes sense. Like, if you're not an <laughs> offensive or a defensive coordinator, you're a scheme guy or like, you know, or even like some kind of salesman, like that's your thing. Like mm-hmm. people don't know what to do with it. It breaks their brain that it's just like, wait, 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 why is he a head coach? Like, what is he bringing? Which by the way is wrong. Like I know Hypo's working, but like hiring for scheme, I think is the biggest mistake a lot of the time. But like, so pe- so people don't know what to do. So they're like, what? Well, why is this guy head coach? He was like a special teams coordinator. And two, there's probably a bit of like a, oh, this guy got a head coaching job because he's a Beamer. Like, there's, like, a, probably a nepotism underlying feel that people think there they have. There might be some of that. There and, be some of that. But they're wrong. Like, we, we would agree they're wrong. And then you add in, like, ah, oh, this guy's putting the shades on. Like, act like you're supposed to be there before. Like, <laughs> let's be honest. The SEC fan base, that's kind of how they think to some extent. Yes. We love you. I think, people, I think people forget, like, because – and I'm not saying, like, that it's the worst thing in the world. It's not – the best thing in the world, but people put so much of their like identity and meaning into how their team is doing and all this stuff. At the end of the day, it's supposed to be fun. Like this is sports. We're supposed to be having fun. Like, and Shane Beamer seems like he has fun. He seems like he likes his job. Nick Saban ruined college football. Made everyone. Yeah, I do. There is an element of business process. Everyone's in his tree. So their business and process. Exactly. I need to write this column because like, I've like Nick Saban is the best coach in the history of the sport and really. but he really has had he I've I've always compared Nick Saban to Nirvana in that alone he is great but Ooh. the things that he has caused he's caused some of the worst <laughs> things that have, ever, that, have, that have ever happened in college football he's the Michael like, Jordan of, <laughs> in terms of Michael Jordan's the greatest player ever Michael Jordan also led to a generation of iso ball scorers who like, yes, didn't realize why that. they were good it's a little yes. like the antithesis of that, I guess, but yes. like a little He's bit of that. Yeah. Like b- between coaches that had no business getting head coaching jobs mm. and then blowing up, uh, yeah. you know, who, who is, uh, uh, you know, who is, yeah, well, there's a long list. He's on there, but yeah, who I'm curious who, uh, who, who, uh, Saban's Nickelback is to his Nirvana, but the, uh, <laughs> it's, he just, Give me a it's, second. And I, and I think some of that, some of that humorlessness, some of the lack of fun, like when Spurrier was running the league, it's a different thing. It's like, I think the league was a lot more fun. I think the sport, 
And it, it comes back to like the the Saban versus like Nick Carroll thing. I mean, uh, um, Pete Carroll thing of yep. like, and to a lesser extent, Dabo, who also has has been running a really fun program. Yeah, but like, it didn't feel fun until like, when you talk about access and shutting down practice and the seriousness yes, and the process, no all that stuff yeah. is bad for the sport. And Pete Carroll and Dabo and the things that they do, I think, are for the sport as a whole, are good. Now, Nick Saban I mean, has no responsibility, I don't think, to God, no. college football be better. He doesn't have much no. interest in that. But probably a net negative on the sport. But, uh, you know, in general, I think the league could do – well, not just the league, the sport – could do with more fun and more openness. And that is something that I think is is good. And South Carolina has been – really really good at that under uh shane beamer they seem to have fun they're very open um they don't act like oh you know we're regarding nuclear secrets here yep more of that um and so you know, i think is... i think that's part of it so it, it's it, it's uh i guess my thesis is lay off of shane beamer a little bit. yeah <laughs> like, it's a great yeah. thesis <laughs> that's that's where to circle back like the guy like people should People should be passionate about what they do, and they should have fun. <laughs> I, I'm sorry, that's a that's a apparently that is a revolutionary take. Really, maybe some of this is like the corporatization of college football too. It's not maybe just saving. It's like this is no longer a fun niche. It is now a billion dollar industry. Yeah, and like, it. and we live in a different generation of coverage. So like, a head coach is a political figure now. Like they are yeah. a major figure in the world of. sports america and like it is just different you have to guard yourself more but but beamer lane kiffin mike leach they, sam Pittman, to an extent mm -hmm. they are examples of you can do both like you don't like no one's those guys aren't actually doing anything like i guess not bad like oh my god like you can have fun and still be a powerful figure who doesn't get like in trouble so yeah i just I, I, I think that's i think that to me just because of how i how i view college football like, yeah, you want your team to win, but I again, I think people, not the coaches themselves necessarily, but even the fans and how they perceive everything going that's happening, like it's supposed to be fun. Like this, like we're supposed it's, it's this is a game that they're playing. And these are college kids playing a game. It's supposed to be fun. This is why I like embracing the more absurdist elements of college football. Yeah. Your uh, column, if people don't read it, does a great job of that. As good as Tennessee Alabama was I think my second favorite moment of the entire weekend was Ooh. the SMU Mustang taking a dump on the field at SMU and the, fan, and, the, and the poor student who gets that call by the way hey here's some Powerade cups go scoop up that pony's poop and like say to make a decision right it was like who are we putting on this and it's like yeah. you <laughs> I want to know who got that call and who decided who on the chain of command got that call because yeah. that's not even that is even undignified for GAs but there's not a there's not a a uh, a specified pony poop scooper. You so I really want to know who gets. Yeah, that's a good point. But I've been to more SMU football games than I care to admit. I've been in that stadium a lot, and I have never seen the pony poop on its run. And also, props to the pony because I have never attempted to poop while sprinting full speed. Props. I didn't even know horses could do that. <laughs> I had no idea that that was a thing. Because there's a lot of factors you got to think about. Like, is it going to hit your leg? Uh, like, how smooth of a – you're pushing while, like, excelling other parts of your body. That's a lot of muscle control. I'm not an equine science major, but I learned something this weekend. And I appreciate SMU for that. Uh, and also you got to so, wonder, like, when you're making the call on who's the scooper, like, 
are you thinking who are you punishing? Or are you thinking who would be the best of this? Like who who would be we want to get this game on, on back on schedule, you know? Like yeah. who's gonna be the most efficient pooper scooper? So we need us we need is a, it a compliment the, or an insult. Yeah. We need a sequel to the 30 for 30, Pony Excess Part Two. Literally the, the saga of Wait, the saga of ex, what exactly happened. <laughs> ex, pony excrement. No, okay, there's something there. I like, think you still stick with pony excess at the end of the day. That's what because it's doing. excessive. Yeah, exactly, okay. exactly. Right. LSU. I mean, uh, Brody, I gotta ask you. Yeah, please. Can LSU play spoiler this week? Can totally. they? Can they ruin Ole Miss's season? What do they got to do to do that? They totally can. Like they are. I think this game probably, yeah, like I think the spread's all the way down to one now. Like it, it's a borderline. Oh, Miss is better, but like that makes sense at a home Tiger Stadium game. It's tough, and like using data in this game is nonsense because LSU is an erratic football team that you don't know what you're getting week to week. Like you can't evaluate this offense with data because for five weeks it was one of the most not broken, but just unproductive, unexplosive offenses. Yeah, and I, set- thought, I really yeah. thought coming into that, I thought Tennessee was going to run LSU off the field because LSU can't score. And then I got back from my uh, uh, goalpost jaunt, uh, and I see that LSU is up. Or what, who, also up forty two thirty five. I was like, yeah. wait, what? I and, was like, what? Is- <laughs> and the thing is, it's like, yes, it is a fair point to be like, Florida's not a good defense, absolutely. But what you LSU fans and LSU as a team should like hone in on if you want to have hope is the offensive success. You know as well as I. Like we're just talking about the last game. Like it's there's a difference between you are playing well because the defense is playing poorly, and there's you are playing good offense. And the the offense wasn't coming from like coverage bus at all really it wasn't coming from like this holes wide open and what was, it was so jarring i i think i tweeted this like we've all been shocked watching college football like of course we're surprised all the time that's why we love it not often is the feeling you feel confusion and i was confused watching that game because it was different it was just they went from jane daniels went from one quarterback for three years to he was dropping back having no second thought in his brain and just putting a confident pass. Like it wasn't even about how good it was. By the way, he throws a nice ball. That's never been the issue. Like, but he dropped it and just confidently putting balls up in one-on-ones to LSU's really good receivers. That's been the whole problem this year is like this offense wasn't conducive to maximizing the one strength they have. And all of a sudden yeah. he was just launching the ball around. <laughs> like the joke was like the offense actually in a screwed up way looked like 2019's offense. Just in terms of like the look of just like, I'm just letting my guys make plays and they made the play every time it was good defense. They'd be in a tight coverage and they would just do it. So it's like, that was such a shocking change in who Jane Daniels is that if that wasn't about how good the defense was. So it was like, if that's real, if he can go into the Ole Miss game and just be that confident guy who just feels like he trusts his guys, else you maybe even should win this game as crazy as that sounds because they have two losses because the offense. And if that's fixed, Oh, this is a top 20 team, whatever. I don't know. But so it's like, if that's true, they win. If not, yeah, I mean, this is going to be a, only is going to run it and shit and win 31 10. Yeah. It seemed like through five games, Jaden Daniels, it was have his, he'd have his first read and then maybe his second read. Yep. But usually his second read was run. And then maybe he'd look up and look at at that. And that, I don't know why that happened all of a sudden that it was different. Cause I don't think, I can't wrap my head around it. How do you change that that fast? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't watch him as closely as at Arizona State, but I don't remember that being him being so trigger happy to go. 
We saw it was an offense that was, was perfectly constructed that he just was yeah. hitting the open guy. Yeah. It was exaggerated in week one. It hasn't been quite as crazy the last few weeks, but still you can see his eyes dropping yep. more often than you'd want, and you Great didn't see it. that. So I is this a Jaden Nails we have moving forward? I'm not sure. Of course I'm not that version. Yeah, I think but... it's going to be inconsistent. I think you're going to see some more moments yep. like that. Can he get one? If he gets one of those against Ole Miss, they, they very well may win that game. So, and that's the we'll thing. See. It's like, you're right. And it's not even just that he would go one read and run. It was that if a guy wasn't clearly open, he didn't have the confidence to just yeah. throw it. And you know in the SEC, it's like, you need to just have windows. an inch. You, mm-hmm. need the, the, you need the inch, and then you have the confidence to throw it and be like, hey, you have Kayshawn Booty. By the way, he yeah. had a great game, which is a huge sign. Uh, you have Malik Neighbors. Like, they're going to – LSU's receivers, which is so deflating for LSU fans about this season is, LSU's receivers, second best unit in the SEC. Like, yeah, they're one great. of the most the, underrated groups yeah. in the league because, because Daniels hadn't been able to get them the ball. They are just not Down a factor. There. Yeah, mm-hmm. they're not a factor. So that's the thing. He's not going <laughs> to throw for 400 yards this week like he did. But if he can be just that version who under that might have been a breakthrough. You understand? Oh, if you now I see it. Maybe that works, but I don't know. But that's why it's like would never bet this game in a million years because it's unhandicapable. <laughs> it's like, yeah. yeah, if LSU gets that version, they should be favored by four. But yeah. everything else points to Ole Miss should be favored by five. So who knows? Yeah. Well, speaking of uh, unbettable, Brody, it's time for our picks of the week. Ooh, it's you. been a long time. So I don't even remember what my last pick was. Uh, as my dad would say, I've slept since then. Uh, <laughs> I did not go back and look it up. It's been a while. Uh, I actually don't either. But Brody. I have my pick for this week. Do you have Please. yours? Uh, I believe so, but you go first. 21 and a half points is too many for Mississippi State's defense. I think Mississippi State's defense can slow down Alabama. Alabama has feasted on air raid. Now, Mississippi State is an actual air raid offense. They are the real air raid. Mike Leach has run the ball a little bit more than we've seen him historically. Um, yep. When he's had really good teams, he kind of does that. He's got the guys that shoot that. So I worry about Ole Miss scoring a ton in this game. If they can get to 20, I would consider that an accomplishment. I'm not sure they can quite get there. Yeah, I'd agree. But I think their defense can slow down Alabama. Again, Alabama. And they're good at taking the top off, and Bama can't do that anyway. They don't have that. They do not have that. So can Bryce Young, you know, nickel and diamond on the field? I think so. But that means that Bama probably is scoring 31-ish. Somewhere in there. So maybe it's like a 31-14 situation. Ultimately, too many points. I don't know that I don't know that I believe that Mississippi State can spring this and win this game, but I think their defense is good enough to keep it close. So my pick of the week, Brody, I hope I don't regret this because the wheels of the Mississippi State bandwagon that we were driving have been wobbling. Uh, I've taken the bandwagon into the shop. They seem to have no real answers of how to fix it. But I'm going to ride one more time. Bulldogs plus 21 and a half. First off, I love that. Yeah, I mean, the really only thing you're scared of, <laughs> the, the only thing you're scared of there is like Bama now has to, like they're no longer like we take care of business, we're in. They have to like whoop people a little bit. They got to get back. Well, I don't, track. I think people think that Bama has this other, this other. They don't have uh, the other gear. Yeah. This other gear that they can shift into and just start being Bama of old. They That is they a great don't. point. They don't. They're a they're one of the five best teams in the country probably this year, but they don't have this. They can't just go and play a really good team and beat them by a hundred like they could. They don't have the offense to do that. Now, Brody, if I lose this pick, it will be because Mississippi State scored three or seven points. Just for the yeah. record. But by the that's way, yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I think that's I love it. <laughs> that's why way, I lose. <laughs> last thing, what are you saying that like the Mississippi State train's wobbling like? 
They lost on the road by 10 to Kentucky. Yeah, but I thought just I really thought this Arkansas. Team could, I thought this team could sneak in. Like I thought this game might have some some weird West implications. Okay, I thought this I could be a top saying. 10 or 15 team. They are not I bad. get that. But at the same They're time, like probably a borderline top 25 team. Yeah, state just kind of whooped both AM and Arkansas. Like they're yes. still trending. They are still Well, Arkansas no KJ, but yes. Yes. Good point, but they put up 40 on him. That's that's something. That's you true. Know. Uh no, your your point stands. I love this whole take. I'm just like, let's not be down on them. Like if state <laughs> if state wins nine games, that's an incredible year. Like, true. come on. Now, I think my expectation I think I I think because I was I was uh leading the band on the preseason we were, yeah. I trained at Mississippi State. I think I had uh in my mailbag before the season, which we should revisit this for a second. Uh <laughs> I had four they had somebody asked me pick the pick the teams that would were unranked that could finish in the top ten. Feeling good about that Tennessee pick because yeah. I couldn't believe Tennessee was unranked coming into the season. I thought coming into the year they were one of the 15 best teams in the country. I guess I was underrating them, but it made no sense that they were not it. ranked. I was just wrong. Yeah. It made no sense that they were not ranked coming into the season. But then I also had Mississippi State uh, in that group. They did not. They are not going to probably do that. But I also had BYU and Kansas State. Kansas State still alive because I think Kansas State can still win the Big 12. And BYU is just tired at this point, and their schedule has caught up to them, and they – can't handle it and then jaron hall has been hurt a little bit too so puka nakua has been hurt anyway uh but the tennessee pick is doing quite well uh mississippi state not as well but i think that's why i'm a little bit down on the mississippi state bandwagon because i didn't think this could be i did think they could go eight and four and still finish in the top 15 which maybe yeah exactly Um, but either way i a good team not quite as good as i thought they might be but so my pick it's a tough one. I don't think there's an obvious one for me this week. I like yours. Part of me even thought about the LSU one, but to our point, like it just seems so untangible. Yeah, I don't. I don't trust Ole Miss going. There's too much unknown and on there's, both sides. Yeah. There's a really good version of LSU hiding in there that wins this game yeah. by double digits. There's, also, which I'm exactly. like, yeah. <laughs> so I think I'm gonna go Beamer. I'm gonna go three and a half. Shocked me. I I, I saw it mid show and was shocked. Like. I, home dogs that's where it's at <laughs> love me a home dog uh i think it's like literally should be a pick at south carolina like that's what it probably should be by multiple like data things i like looking at and also you know just a little inside baseball i think there's like 70 percent of bets are it's early but like 70 percent of bets are on uh a&m but like 50 percent of money's on south carolina and that's like usually where you see yeah the, it's because people it's because people think a&m's good because they haven't been paying close enough attention and a&m yeah, has they see talent, talent. and yeah. i think people think south carolina nobody's watched south carolina yet. yet yeah that's true too south no one's watched a really them. big game yeah. yes. and i think that's you know so I, I i think I, I like south carolina money line in this game yeah. i just a&m when you can't reliably score 20 you can't be you can't be trusted in any game and people forget it. It never is quite this simple because AM's defense is really good. But South Carolina's got the better quarterback, Spencer Rattler. They have the better offense and more weapons. Like AM's offense right now is if the running game's not going, they are not very creative uh, in, in getting their backs out in space, which they should be because they're the best guys on the team. And then their other hope is just chuck it to Evan Stewart and hope that he can make a jump ball catch. That's like their whole offense. And it is very frustrating to watch. Uh, so we'll see. South Carolina has had some frustrating offensive moments themselves, but they've got better weapons. They have a, they are better at getting to them. And if Spencer Rattler can avoid the mistakes that he is prone to do, throwing in coverage, he, he does some weird stuff. If he can avoid that against a, uh, he's going to probably be under some pressure. I like South Carolina to to, to win this game. I do, I do. And we'll Me too. See how it goes. Uh, well, that's been football and grits, guys. Uh, 
What a week of football, Brody. I'm re-energized from the environment in Neyland Stadium. I will be sitting on my couch this week. Uh, I am going to go to Georgia, Tennessee. We've locked that in. I'm waiting on the game time to make some hotel reservations uh, because I need to know if I'm going to be staying over Saturday or not. Uh, If it's a a noon, it won't be a noon, but if they get that 3.30 CBS game, I'll probably just come on back uh, here. But anyway... uh, I'm excited to be on the couch. It's a great way to digest a Saturday. Uh, in the streaming era, I have oh. I cannot listen. I am a I am a married man, so I cannot get away with two televisions in my living room. But Ooh, I, know. I will send you a picture right after this. I got the two t- <laughs> my office. No, not in the living room. Sorry, no. Yes, but yes. my office has two two TVs. It's but I did purchase a, a smart TV for my office that is right here. And in the streaming era, it is very easy to move that into the living yes. room on Saturdays, which I have gotten away with. My, uh, so my two TVs were my, my part, my significant other's idea. That was the that. shocking. Look thing. at Brody. She's like, we have this extra TV and you always want to watch more games. And I'm like, <laughs> you sure? You sure? But my Saturday, my Saturday setup is usually the main TV in the living room. And then I'll have my second TV on the side. And then I have a laptop, laptop of course. on the coffee table kind of set up. And then I'll be working on my taking notes and doing some different stuff. And it is difficult when you go to a game to keep track of everything. So yesterday I had to do some catching up. I watched a bunch of uh, 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 the quick versions of the games and watched some of those. But uh, couching it this week. Anyway, uh, I'm excited. It's going to be another great week of games, I'm sure. We probably won't get a classic like Tennessee-Alabama. Mostly because I don't think we have two great teams going head-to-head. But maybe Ole Miss-LSU can be. It'll be interesting. It might be. Um, maybe Tennessee-UT Martin will shock us, and we'll be here talking about uh, one of the most shocking losses of the season. Probably not, but maybe. <laughs> anyway, uh, I'm excited. Uh, we're here in the middle of the season. The possibilities are endless. Uh, we'll be here talking about it all. For Brody Miller. I'm David Ubbin. Thank you guys for listening to Football and Grits. We will see you again next week. Appreciate you guys tuning in.